Upon arriving at the Drippin' Sip, the Thundermen have to deal with a very chilly reception. Then, it's time to get high in the hog. The boys waste no time before slipping a crab and angering a friend. Sometimes, the facts you find were not the facts you were looking for. We listen to episode 30 of Taz Graduation, so you know what that means. It's time for Talking Taz. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Talking Task, your weekly journey through the worlds of the Adventure Zone graduation. With you, as always, is me, your host producer, PJ, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, Lauren. Hey, everyone. Lauren, what do you think of this episode? I know I was shamed last week for filler, so I'm going to choose my words very carefully, but it won't matter because you were a demon and a devil and all those things in our campaigns. I really liked this one. I like the setup that they're doing for upcoming episodes. So I, I'm super into where it's going. Yeah, no, for sure. I think they're, they're laying a lot of groundwork. This felt more fillery than last week. But I think literally just because like, I think even though it was only like five or 10 minutes, I felt like we spent way too much time on like gaining Taryn's trust. Yeah, that did take a very like a surprisingly long time. Like it felt longer than it was because I was kind of like, all right, we get it. We get it. But everything else I really enjoyed. Can I say? Yeah. No. At, and at any point I was like, couldn't you just like call Gray and be like, hey, yo, tell calm her. down. Yeah. Get your girl. Get your girl. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll get into it. it mm-hmm. this, is a, this is kind of a media-ish one. So we'll, we'll pound through it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that we haven't seen before, right? A lot of the Jermaine yeah. novel backstory is like, being laid out yeah here. we're like getting to the cimmerillion of the germain novel it's true yes stephen colbert would really love that and i really hope that he appreciates it when he listens to this episode <laughs> can i also say like wow i can't believe we're like at episode 30 already and we're not like at like any sort of final setup yet i think yes! this is like for sure gonna be like well into the longest campaign they have Okay, so balance is for sure the longest, right? It depends, right? So, like, we're on episode 30, and actually, I could see this only going, like, 42 episodes. Honestly, mm-hmm. it could be less, it could be more. I completely forgot, and I'm remembering now, because of course they did, balance was 69 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they can never, they can never have anything longer than that. That's, yeah, like, Yeah, for some reason in my perfect. brain, I was like, yeah, balance was, like, 48 episodes. <laughs> It was nice. Nice, nice, nice. No, it was 69. Of course it nice. was 69. Of course These it was. freaking boys. But also, See, like, Balance yeah. was, like, perfection. So, of course, I went for oh, 69 episodes. God, I love Balance. I mean, don't get me wrong. Amnesty, I love this campaign. Obviously, we do a whole podcast fun. about it. Yeah. You know, I loved Amnesty. Amnesty was super fun. But mm-hmm. Balance, oh. I don't know. It's, like, so good. It's just, it's so magical. And... I love everything the McElroys have produced. I loved all of like the one-offs that they did and all of the extra bits that they put into the podcast. PJ's listened to even more with his subscription to the Max Fun Network. Like they do some amazing things. Balance is completely in a league of its own. Yeah. If you haven't listened to Balance somehow, which actually a few of our listeners I know haven't because like we've discussed it. God, it is just some of the most fun you'll have listening to D&D. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I usually like watch a TV show or like a movie when I'm having dinner. When I was listening to Balance, I didn't consume any other media except for Balance. Any free time I had was spent listening to 
balance and figuring out the story. So for a couple of weeks, my life was completely and utterly enveloped in this world. And it was so worth it. Which unrelated, because I mean, we'll get to the actual episode in a second. But Lauren was gone out of state for quite a few months for the holiday Mm -hmm. season. Mm -hmm. And obviously, now that she's returned, and again, as always, for our listeners that know us, this really timestamps when this is. She is like <laughs> doing the like, I just got back from another state and I was on an airplane isolation time. Mm-hmm. But like, we finally get to play the Taz Balance board game that we bought forever ago. Oh my God, we do. We, oh my God, we've talked about this um, like in and out as I've been away. But I'm I'm actually here. We can actually, I mean, in a few days, I can come see you or you can come here and we can play it. Well, it's so funny because this is uh, this episode is going to come out in like a few weeks and our friends will have just fully seen us multiple times since then. And they'll be like, (laughs) you could see us in a few days. What? Yeah, no, it's still I'm so excited because I get to see everyone again in a few days when my quarantine is over. And now there's the possibility of playing the balance game with PJ and with our other friends if they get into it. Even if they don't get into it, I might make them play it. Oh, and best believe for our listeners at home, we bought the special edition. Oh, absolutely. We're not going to have a whole Taz podcast and not buy the special edition. No, this was not even really a question. It was like, how much more is it? It's fine. Let's just get the special edition. (laughs) Uh, But let's get into this version of Taz that isn't balanced because I feel like we've stroked Balance's ego enough. So we're only 39 episodes away, technically, from this being yeah, the I longest definitely arc. Don't, I, I, for some reason, thought Balance was way shorter at first. So yeah, no, this will definitely not go 69 episodes. I don't even think it'll go 50. I don't think I so either. I barely think it'll break, like, 45. I think 45 is, like, I think 42 is a hard limiter, maybe. Well, I mean, I can see it getting to there. It depends. It depends on the war now especially with um, with it not happening but also like yeah there's nothing saying that like they don't defeat chaos and then gray's like all right wartime baby real war on again it's kind of like oh, god we're not gonna get to this episode at all uh but it's kind of like when we did avernus <laughs> for like the set you guys got to like zariel after like all this like campaign of buildup and mm-hmm. you guys completely reform her in like the first like three two rounds of combat. Mm-hmm. And then Bell comes out of nowhere and he's like, ha ha, thanks for that. Now we're fighting, jerks. Oh my God. Yeah, I know that was so intense because I was like, oh my God, this well, was the final battle. Well, now she's no longer evil, guess there's an open seat on the throne. And it's mine. Turns out it wasn't. It was Chandrell's. <laughs> now who did, who did it go to? at the end yeah you gave it to no she ran it with oh yeah turns out it wasn't his it was gorgoth that is from avernus and not roll 20 no that's gorgug gorgug thank you dimension 20 it's still not not, might not be gorgoth if you've run avernus and you know who i'm talking about dm me and tell me i'm a dummy all right let's get to this (laughs) anyway graduation so obviously last episode we end with taryn calling the guards on the boys Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I was right. This is not a big deal. Not really. The four guards he- start heading over very slowly, like hands on their weapons, and they start freaking out. And Tara's kind of just like, you know, mad at them and smiling like, ha ha ha, got you. <laughs> Argo goes and like sleight of hand closes and locks the door. That's so funny to me. Just... It's so dumb, like <laughs> closing a door right in front of someone and locking it and being like, but my sleight of hand, though, man, they didn't even know what hit them. 
It just looked like a breeze closed the door and yeah. it just so happens to have locked, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, Taryn's very much like, look, I hate you guys. Obviously, like it was a little implied, but it is very much stated that Calhane was her fiance. So she straight up oh. hates them because A, she thinks they murdered him, which is not accurate. No. Gray murdered him. Yes. Which can I say again, spoilers for what we're about to talk about, but ideally it doesn't matter because you listened to the episode already. Sure. She's mad as hell at them for killing Calhane. The second that like it was great, she's like, oh, okay, moving on. I mean, that's, I didn't even think about that. That's true. However, he is technically her boss. But like, if you were engaged and Tom killed your fiance, <laughs> would you be like, eh, all right, it's Tom. Tom, for those of, <laughs> for most people who, because why would you know this, is our boss. Yeah, he absolutely, he is. I, now that you put it in that, I mean, it is very much a non-reaction. I mean, obviously Tom part. isn't like a demon lord. I mean, as far as we know, he's a little too nice. So I've never seen him in fry. the room, in the same room as a demon lord. So yeah, we've, I think I no did, but I, it might've just been a mirror. Demon lords like, aren't like vampires. You can no, see no, them no. in mirrors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do they like reveal their true selves? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <gasps> oh, it's like the opposite it, of a vampire. It. It's like a less efficient You know vampire. what? He does not have a mirror in his office. No, just a bunch <gasps> of M&Ms. And <laughs> you know what M&Ms stand for? Malevolence and malice. Oh, is that what? That's what they're. Yeah, his, because he's a demon lord. Oh, his M&Ms do. That's not like the tagline for M&Ms. Wait a minute. You would always get in those M&Ms. I did get him oh, the M&Ms. Oh no, the plot thickens. <laughs> I'm the. I am Taryn. This was a real conversation. Tom did kill my fiance, <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm just mad. I never met the fiance. <laughs> I thought we were friends. <laughs> yeah, you so, wouldn't have liked them. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Master Fearwolk says she has a decision to make. And, you know, he's like, again, I just thought about this last episode. He's starting to really pull out the, like, I'm a Fearwolk. You can trust me. But, like, he's not lying. You know, he is very yeah. much, like, actually telling the truth. And they get to kind of just use it as a get-out-of-jail-free card with deception or persuasion checks a lot of times now. You know, for... Because, like, we, we've talked about before, Travis has put so much work into giving the Fearbulg the ability to lie in this campaign. And I love that Justin and kind of the boys, too, are taking it in the other direction where they're like, we can technically manipulate this situation by being like, he can't lie. Trust yeah. what he's saying. And I, I think that's very compelling. It's He's still the Fearbulg, though, and he, like, is still, like, overly, like, the Fearbulg. Yeah. because like when he's trying to talk he's like yeah like let me tell you exactly what happened at the center camp and why you should trust us and what's going on but he does it in like so many different ways and they're like and even travis and the boys are like all right i don't even know what technical role that should be is that because i feel like you did every type of <laughs> social skill in one sentence what would you have ruled as the dm i mean i feel like i would have just done persuasion with advantage because he's telling the truth he is telling the truth yeah and he's, he's not a fear lying. so i honestly feel like if we canonically establish a fear bulk who has to tell the truth, I would probably always have them roll persuasion with advantage because they're super telling the truth. They are, yeah. Granted, persuasion if they were with... lying, it would be like deception at disadvantage or something like that. Mm -hmm. Unrelated. Would you do persuasion at double advantage because he did so well? No. I've never seen double advantage before. You technically, double advantage doesn't exist. I have done double disadvantage before just to be mean. Oh my God, did you? Yeah, yeah it happened like once or twice. You were there. I don't remember. But clearly. I've definitely done it like as a joke to be mean because it was just like, and 
again, I completely stole it from Brendan Lee Mulligan because Brendan Lee Mulligan has had people roll a double disadvantage when they just come up with something too stupid to justify as a DM. <laughs> when they're like, I want to do this. And it's like, you, that's the dumbest thing anyone has ever said in my presence. How dare you justify that with a dice roll? You know what? 3D20s take the lowest one. Oh my God. <laughs> No, if you think barred. that you are about to use a feather duster to fly through the sky and stab the orc's eye out with it in one roll, three d twenties, and you die if you fail. No, oh my god, <laughs> no, obviously that does sound not. like something you and Brennan would do. Honestly, that that's in character. There was, I mean, this isn't a spoiler because it's such a nothing moment, but there's a moment in, uh, I think it's Fantasy High Season 2, where one of the characters is like, I have a ribbon, can I like ribbon dance twirl through the sky to like land on the bottom floor of this building? And he's like, so you just want to try to rhythmic gymnastics flight abilities? (laughs) You know what? Go ahead. Roll. And these are the consequences. Oh my god. Like, he was so mad. He was like, how dare you even justify that coming out of your mouth? Obviously not. But, like, I could feel that in his bones. Because you feel the same thing when we do stupid stuff. You guys don't nearly come up with stuff as crazy as that. That's true. I I am not that creative. It's not, I mean, also, I think you guys, like, have a lot more internal blocks about it. Mm. Like, I don't think your brain would... I think even if you had that thought, you'd be like, I'm not saying that out loud. <laughs> That's stupid. I'm not doing that. Uh, the guards come in after some back and forth, and uh, Travis can't stick to an accent for them to save his life. Nope, he sure can't. And Taryn says, like, I made a mistake. I thought they were someone else. And, you know, they're also like, oh, she didn't say murderers. We're murderers. We're here to bird watch. Also, at first I thought they said burgerers, and I was like, chefs? I'm confused. <laughs> but yes, murderers. And... I do feel a little bad because they're like, yeah, we're here looking for this super rare bird. And he's like, I love bird watching. Yeah, the guard. Oh, yeah. No, though. Like, it's a different bird. He's like, I have never even heard of this bird. And they're like, oh, no. Like, did we just set him on an impossible life mission to find this bird? (laughs) And they like 100% did because they rolled super high on all of they their were like rolling so high all throughout the beginning of this <laughs> yes, episode like they yes. kept being like this is where our luck ends nope 22 18 17 like yeah no they were rolling so high that this guard now believes that there is a different species of bird and he's gonna go look for this <laughs> i love these like throwaway nothing npc moments in D&D. The guards go away and they try to dismiss the barista. The barista's like, oh, well, I mean, I was a great adventurer back in the day, but like, whatever. <laughs> but like, for it's Jermaine's so funny because like, they just keep talking to him. And even even Justin is like, all right, if this guy's on, f- on for five more seconds, he's going to become a fan favorite. And I think that's completely true. I remember him <laughs> almost fully being ingrained in my brain and then him leaving and then it disappearing. Yeah, to the point where I didn't even write his name. Yeah, I actually remember him. Honestly, I think he was like perfectly spot on. He's like, if he's here for any longer, because I remember them saying a name for him and I'm, me being like, wow, that's a really funny name. And it just poof, disappeared from my brain. Gone. Yeah, it's not in my transcription. He was even like, he had some really funny one liners and like, he was very compelling as a character. But as soon as he left and we moved on, I was like, was there a barista? I don't remember. Yeah. As soon as they get him to go, though, Fitz was like, come, come with me on a walk and talk. And I had like flashbacks to our former DM, RJ, 
who whenever he wanted <laughs> to talk to us like lead to manager lead to general lead was like come take a walk with me yes oh my god he did whenever it was something serious he was like let's go yeah. for a walk and even though like i was his manager <laughs> so i was never in like trouble right because i was his manager but whenever he did that i would still get like so nervous and i would like start sweating i'm like oh god what did i do did i disappoint you i probably did i'm so sorry how can i make this up to you and he would just be like this happened this morning but it's taken care of and i was like oh my god thank you <laughs> i thought it was me yeah but like literally when he's like let's go for a walk and talk and i was like uh that's strong rj vibes strong rj vibes <laughs> but no. she's like i refuse i still like don't fully get what's going on here i need mm -hmm. you to explain way more to me before i go on this little walk and talk with you uh and they kind of explain like yeah we're here to disrupt the heroic oversight guild and she's like that does sound like something gray would do and she's like okay like i wor i'll work with you until i betray you essentially at which, at which point she will make sure they are killed. And they're like, okay, I guess. I guess. I guess. I, again, we talked about this earlier. I don't know why at any point it did not occur to these boys to just like call Gray. And what do you mean like, at this point they've convinced her, but she's also like, I still hate you. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. They, she can hate them. I'm not begrudging her for that. She has her, her own backstory, her own history. But like the entire time they weren't just like, hey, yo, Gray, get your girl. <laughs> Yeah. They make their way to the hog building and you know it's very like art deco and fancy. We learn it's been around for at least two hundred years. We don't know how old the like two hundred years sign is. You know, it's kinda like how Disney will have like their like fifty five years of magic sign up until like the sixty years of magic sign goes up. <laughs> or whatever so yeah, it could be like yeah. 212 years at this point but like they're like we don't replace it till 225 so don't, it's like always who knows what time it is fitzroy does kind of see like an alleyway where all the office deliveries are made that's gonna be a masco tool we keep in our toolbox for later <laughs> he actually said that <laughs> the group makes their way into the opulent lobbies with you know, several levels of offices and i mean this place is just super huge they establish it takes mm -hmm. up like a whole city block which is really big is there any building, I'm sure there is, that takes up an entire city block? I, I think it's like, but also like, I think in my brain, I'm like, yes, Los Angeles city blocks. But like a city block in most other states is probably a lot smaller. And there's probably dozens, if not hundreds, if not thousands of buildings that take up city blocks. But in my mm. mind, I'm like, LA city blocks, you know. Yeah, no, they are very, very long in LA. New York, they, it depends, but it's much more... It's much smaller. New York is much more, yeah, it's grid-based. So Exactly. It, it, yeah. Unrelated. Uh, we're, mm -hmm. not a, we're not an urban planning podcast. We're a D&D &D podcast about a D&D &D game we don't play. We are? My notes are wrong. Damn. Damn. I went to urban planning school for nothing. <laughs> I took that course that I paid so much money for. Oh, gosh. I'm now a knight in absentia to urban planning. They go through a lengthy process of filing out forms and waivers. And they've informed Heron of all the war updates, but she says she has done all they asked and is going to leave at this point, essentially. Like, she was like, my job is to get you in here. I'm out. Uh, but if you need anything else, find, you can find me in the archives, because that's where I work. Bye. Uh, yeah, I was like, peace. I don't care about you. Uh, <laughs> now that they're alone, the Thundermen try to find Althea, so they head up to her office. Fitzroy realizes that everyone is wearing a little shield with different colors on everyone's lapels, which we are led to assume reflect the colors of their department. Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like almost like a uniform in a non-uniformed environment. Just kind yeah. of a smart idea, unrelated. Yeah, I mean, there is a way at a glance to distinguish who these people are and where they work, but it's not yeah. as 
obvious as like a uniform. I yeah, I liked that. It was super cool. Fitzroy notices a bunch of employees with like mail and packets and stuff, and he notices no one's paying attention to them. So following his lead, Master Fearbulk trips Fitzroy into a cart and they smuggle small little snippers inside. Small so that Fitzroy can snippers? see kind of have like a man on the inside. What's that? They had a man on the inside. Who's that? It's little snippers. <laughs> <laughs> it's little snippers. Doesn't really ride, it doesn't really flow with Hercules Mulligan, but you get the idea. Exactly. No, I totally do. That should be the jingle for this show. <laughs> I'll hire a professional to do it. Get Lin Manuel Miranda on this. I wish there he was would like, do honestly, it. this is such an un- honestly, I mean, he does task stuff with them all the time. Yeah, he loves I mean, the he, boys. he's friends with the boys. Yeah. But I wish there was more need for stuff like supplementary media on this podcast mm-hmm. because my other podcast, Kawhi Disappointment, I get to like buy stuff for it all the time. Buy stuff for it. Yeah. Like I'll just commission art and stuff oh yeah 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 okay because like you know it's an anime podcast so i have like art of us as anime characters and like stuff like that so Mm -hmm. and like you know we commission because we have like specific segments like i commission like jingles for those segments but we don't have anything like that here necessarily because it's Mm -hmm. a very different structure i don't think we need to have anything like that but i'm also like i want to spend money here too but we have nothing to spend money on i think the man will miranda would do this for free we can ask him it's true tweet at him Hey, hey, Lynn, uh, you're not busy, right? You're not busy, right? Like You're not like the most sought after <laughs> musical anything in the world, right? Right. It's like you totally have time for this nothing podcast to ask <laughs> you to make a song for us, right? This podcast was like six listeners or whatever. All our friends and family. Yeah. Hello, everyone. It's me, PJ, your host, producer, and friend, here as always to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you're enjoying the episode. Keep up with all new episodes by following us on social media. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Taz. On Facebook, you can also find the official Taz group, where you can interact with us as well as other fans of the podcast. Or go to our website, talkin-taz.pinecast.co, for links to those socials as well as all of our episodes. Links to all of that can be found in the show notes. If you're enjoying the show, tell your friends about it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thanks for tuning in. Now, back to the podcast. The boys make it to Althea's office, though, and she's not there. So they decide to wait for her, and Fitzroy looks around to see if he can learn anything, and he finds a worn folder about Althea herself. The notes detail her time as a heroic persona, the Avenging Angel, which we already know, Mm -hmm. and stamped across the top in big letters is evil which we know stands for every villain is lemons which means that she went cuckoo lemons <laughs> at some point or another oh my god it is every villain is lemons yep yep oh my god <laughs> i didn't like, realize I she mean, was a lemon we do know that people essentially are branded evil not villains but evil when they essentially fall out of good favor with the heroic oversight guild right so obviously she's cleared that up because she works for them now Yes. But that does mean that we have some, uh, you know, we have some Avenging Angel lore to get to. Come on, Jermaine, where's that novel? Avenging Angel Althea, AAA, here That's to the... fix your car. <laughs> and avenge anything that you, like, had go wrong. And she's an angel. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, one of those freaky, like, actual Bible angels that have, like, 17 eyes and are, like, geometric nightmares. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is, like, <laughs> 
I don't know why, but it feels like one of those insurance spinoffs, like the cavemen oh, from like Geico. Oh, like the cavemen commercial. Yes. I was like, explain yourself. The cavemen from Geico. Or like you pointed out to me recently, Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso, I mean, not insurance, but yeah, Ted Lasso is based on a commercial, which I mean, unrelated, unrelated, like the most unrelated. Watch <laughs> Ted Lasso, everyone. It's the oh best God. show ever. It, it's it so is so wholesome beautiful. Yes. and wonderful. And Ugh. you'll just feel good the entire time yes. you're watching it. And you will Even walk away. Is, yeah. Yeah. You will walk away wanting to be like Ted Lasso, which yeah, you should. It's, uh, the best version of it I've had it described as is someone said it is like watching a show where Mr. Rogers has to coach a soccer team. God, that's so it's very accurate. Yes, I 100 percent agree with everything. Watch Ted Lasso. It will change your life. Wonderful. For all of the good reasons. But, I mean, not Ted Lasso. <laughs> Opposite of Ted Lasso almost in every way. We have Fitzroy Maple Court, Nine in Absentia, Oh, the Realm of Good Castle. Though, mm. probably not really, because Good Castle does not exist. Tucks the file into his bag as the door swings <laughs> open. Athena enters, and she is very surprised to see them, wondering why they're there. And she sees Fitzroy close the desk drawer he found the file in. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me my folder back, please. Thank you. She's so cool. And after some prodding for Fitzroy, she almost tells her story but then demands to know why they're going through her personal things which very fair question not at all part of the plan here no uh and it starts to kind of everything kind of starts to devolve but master fearbolg is able to convince her to tell her story and obviously like again i like that we get this lore i want to see like a whole avenging angel series it's going to run for one season on the cw and it's going to get canceled (laughs) halfway through but i'm here for it I'm here for it. So we learn Althea graduated as a hero and worked in a city, but the villain she was assigned to was sloppy and more about the performance and people got hurt for the sake of a good show. So Althea filed a complaint and an investigator came, but the leaders of the city liked the villain because he put on a good show and ended up tourism. So they lied and pinned everything in Althea. And I was like, a cab, a cab, a cab, a cab. <laughs> Where have I heard this before? Why does this sound so familiar? A cab. A cap <laughs> let it be known talking taz firmly a cab firmly they said she had not shown up and wasn't doing her duty and likely exchanged money with the investigators to hash it all up althea was fired blacklisted and labeled as evil but she worked hard to become an investigator so that what happened to her wouldn't happen to others mm-hmm. yet her position doesn't seem to matter because nothing she does can ever really get through the red tape and i was like a cab <laughs> all good cops are always the ones that get fired. That's why there yes. are no good cops because you're either a part of the corrupt system or you are the corruption within the system. And mm-hmm. nine times out of 10, if you try to be the one good part of the puzzle, they rip you out of the puzzle and replace you with someone else. Exactly. Yeah, you not said everything. Too, you know, not, not to get too heavy or anything. Not to like <laughs> make this too real, but like also. D&D, I think, as a, as a system is like low-key, firmly a cab when you think about it because like, there's so little regard to killing city guard in D&D. <laughs> All the city officials, it's just like, whatever. Yeah, it's very like, oh, these guards, that's what they get for being guards. Yep, that's what they get for working with the government. <laughs> Brennan, in Dimension 20, he has this like kind of like anarchist, like anarcho-socialist character. And he has like this like quote that is like very, like blows up on the internet like quite often. And mm-hmm. half the time people don't know it's from like <laughs> halfling mailman in a D&D game. And it's like, some, I always forget like the exact wording, but it's like laws are threats of violence made by the dominant socioeconomic class in a given society. And the police essentially work as an occupying army, uh, like, uh, and, you know, 
laws are essentially just a threat that police enact. Wow. <laughs> I mean, all true. But all true. But again, D and D, it's it's pretty ACAP. <laughs> Very much so. It's a way for us to feel like we're making a difference, kids. Master <laughs> <laughs> Freebook asks Althea what she cares about you know, making the world better and safer or propriety. Mm. He goes on to say that the Heroic Oversight Guild does not deserve to have her. And I'm like, true. Absolutely true. Go. You know, to have her good intentions thwarted by bureaucracy. And again, ACAB, all the good, you know, they put the good people on desk jobs because they know they won't get anywhere with it. Exactly. Uh, And Justin just kills his speech. I'm obviously like paraphrasing (sighs) the hell out of it, but he just like, it is such a good speech about really truly doing what's right over what, is considered like the lawful approach. And I think this yeah. is something that, you know, is hard for a lot of people to process, especially if you're like a good law abiding citizen. Cause like, I mean, I, I don't break laws, right? Like I'm not mm-hmm. like, I think a lot of laws we have are archaic. I think a lot of the systems we have are broken, mm-hmm. but I try to do right by society. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the end mm-hmm. of the day, I think you as a person have to do what's right for you and right for the people around you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you let yourself get caught up in, you know, lawful good mentality, essentially, you can start doing wrong things. You know, people yes. use people use the law to justify a lot of terrible things. Mm-hmm. And especially because laws change and laws are written by people. They are flawed. Ideas are written by people. They are flawed. Like, you know, systems are written by people. They are flawed. And if you go around being like, but the book says, but the legislature says, but the law says... You have to be able to critically think outside of that because sometimes the mm-hmm. laws are going to be broken and that's how laws change. That's how systems change because enough people stand up and they're like, it isn't okay that black people can't drink at the same water fountain as me. It mm-hmm. isn't okay that women don't have the right to vote. It isn't okay that we can have people as slaves. Like, But at one point that was a lot. It was hella okay. And if you're going to sit there and be like, but it was okay, then it wasn't. You just didn't question it. Exactly. Yeah, you were in a position where... You didn't have to think about hardship, so you never questioned the laws of the land because they didn't directly affect you in a negative way. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's privilege, right? That's exactly. the definition of privilege. And I yeah. think that's a, the that's a thing that a lot of people struggle with is real, recognizing the privilege they have. Like, a lot of my friends are white people. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> especially over the last few, like, year or two, I've had to see them reckon with, like, their privilege and where it puts them and their place in the social hierarchy in a society that has really is really going through a social restructure at the time right now mm-hmm. you know we're we're in the midst of kind of what hopefully seems like a change but also seems like just a continuation of what was going on but i think more than anything it's allowing people to be like oh maybe the system is broken whether we're ever going to get to fix it or not i hope we can god i hope but, we can. i mean i think the fact that really nothing changed after like a summer of protests Mm-hmm. And uprising shows that maybe the system's too broken to take care of itself in a meaningful way. It's going to take care of itself in a, in a toxic way. Yeah, unfortunately. There was one news anchor, and I cannot for the life of me remember his name, and I'm very sorry. But he said, you know, this sort of awakening happens with every generation. This happened in the 60s. And this happened, like, back with the Roaring Twenties. Like, some generation wakes up and they're like, I don't like how people are being treated and they march against it and they fight for it and they say, this is not okay, but then they grow into complacency. And then a few years later, the next generation is like, this is wrong. I don't like this. And they march against it and they don't like it and they want to change it, but then they grow into complacency. So I'm hoping, hoping that we're on the 
path to actual change as opposed to that circ- that cycle. I'm going to say like one thing. We're going to talk about it for two seconds and we're going to go back because honestly, I could talk about this for the rest of the podcast. Mm. I honestly don't think we're there. Because I think we're more divided than ever before. Yeah. I think people have more outlandish ideas than ever before, and they have too much of an audience to support them. I truly think we are at a breaking point in this country, and I really think our systems are going to break in a bad way before they're yeah. ever repaired. And I, I just hope it's not too damaging to people's lives when it happens. Because, I mean, we're at a point where there's not, you know, I feel like growing up, I remember, like, not liking you know, the opposing political party and not liking some of the systems in place. But like, I felt like they still existed in a place that was in reality. And I feel like Mm -hmm. it's not there anymore. I feel like the police literally can just murder someone in the street in cold blood and not face any repercussions. And obviously, we've Mm -hmm. we've seen we've had that reckoning forever. But like, obviously, Rodney King was a first wake up call for a lot of people. But I think Derek Chauvin hasn't changed anything. Like, we're maybe going to start getting a trial for him and don't think anything's going to happen. Nope. There's no justice for Breonna Taylor. We're nope. getting to, I mean, we just had that a uh, terrible terrorist attack against the Asian community in Georgia. Mm-hmm. And the police were like, oh, probably wasn't a hate crime, I guess. He was just having a bad day. And, you know, we have like the far right movement that is just going crazier and crazier every day with their theories and ideas and what's real and what's not. And we just have systems that just don't exist in a realm of justice law peace or reality anymore Mm -hmm. and i think we're and we have all these people that are seeing that and i think we're gonna reach a very intense very an unstoppable force hitting an immovable object and i just Mm -hmm. hope there isn't too much fallout in the wake of it god Mm -hmm. that got really dark but i just that's how i feel let's get (laughs) back to this dd podcast where we can take out guards and it's like not a big deal (laughs) althea agrees the system is broken and only takes care of itself and not people but she's not sure what she could do but the boys fill her in, and Althea clarifies that they are going to disrupt a global system of power <laughs> with a demon prince. But again, I think, again, if you're just going to go with what is on paper right, you're not always going to do, you're sometimes going to do the wrong thing. And I think breaking this system in particular is the right thing for this society. I agree. I think that they're going about it in the best way, with the best intentions, I should say. And I like that they're going after a system as opposed to, like, people. Yes, I agree. And I think that's kind of the way to go. Ideally, your fallout isn't people-based. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, when I say I hope the fallout isn't too bad from society breaking, I mean it. Like, I don't want people to lose their lives. I don't want mm-hmm. things. I want people to be able to be brought back from that brink. I want there to be, you know, a system that isn't broken. I want people that have gone in so far out of the spectrum of, you know, logic and reality to be able to be brought back. I don't want to just throw them off the curb. No. But, I mean, that's going to be on them. At the end of the yeah. day. But I mean, it's true. Like, you don't want the, the the restructure to be full of casualty. You want it to be something that breaks the system but doesn't break people. Yes. Ideally. Ideally, yes. And I think that is what these guys are aiming for. Yeah. They ask Althea for help. Obviously, she'd be someone on the inside. And she's like, wait, is Taryn in on this plan? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, I always freaking knew it. I knew yes! she was bad. Althea! <laughs> And she's like, okay, so good. Good to know. But now that I know, like, look, the Hawk has a ton of power and money and leverage. And Hawk is definitely the beating heart of this world's power system. Mm-hmm. And the center of Hog is the archives. So, I mean, she could really help mess stuff up here. Which sucks that she she hates the boys so much. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I'm not belittling her hatred for the boys. I think she's absolutely justified in it. I just, that's going to make that interaction so difficult 
Yeah, but it's true. I mean, just like any system, it what what powers the system is agreements and contracts mm. and money. And mm-hmm. I mean, realistically, like all all systems exist within a social contract. We as a society inherently agree to a certain subset of rules and ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we break that social contract, people act, you know, it's it's a it's an uprising. Right. Yes. But also, oh God, I mean, this is going to be such a serious episode. I this was going to be for it. So I wasn't but either. When you think about it, the social contract was broken long ago. The second we got to a society where people could be wantonly murdered by armed guards, essentially the police and CEOs make like thousands of times more than their average worker. Mm-hmm. And politics are blatantly just openly corrupt Mm -hmm. and the will of the people is never like the the forethought for these people yeah the social contract was broken because the social contract between a people and their elected officials and their their guards and their protectors is Mm -hmm. that they are there to serve them and benefit them and when that ended so did the social contract and i feel like an uprising is not the breaking of the social contract it's a response to the initial break yes it was broken a long time ago and this is the the reaction to it yeah Mm-hmm. man this is uh, getting I, I mean obviously if you couldn't tell i have a lot of opinions about this i could literally talk about this all day i won't because we're almost done and i will save you my political and social ramblings but i mean this is this is storytelling at its finest right it's like stories always reflect the society yeah. the society yeah so this is it's so poetic that this is all coming out and coming to the fore right now because it is so relevant to what we are experiencing in real life and i love that i i agree it's the fact that an episode of a you know quote-unquote dumb dumb dnd podcast can <laughs> inspire this type of level of conversation is a is a testament to the storytelling being done here absolutely but back to that storytelling <laughs> There is a catch. The files in the archives are super well guarded, so they would have to be very careful about how they get in there. It's mostly magical security systems that they'll have to counteract. Mm-hmm. And after verifying it's either dismantle Hog or go to war, Althea is on board. Yay. She rolls out a big blueprint on her desk. Yes! Go, Althea! And with that, we are assured the Thunderman will return in Ocean's 12. <laughs> So, I mean, this is just more like Ocean's 5, because it's just like them, Althea, maybe Hieronymus. He technically was supposed to be with Althea. He is supposed so to be So maybe it's Ocean 6. Maybe, because uh, Taryn, Taryn is the unwilling participant in all of this. Would you can't... Well, technically Ocean 7 then, because we do have Snippers as our man on the inside. Snippers. So we have Snippers on the inside and Taryn on the inside. So wouldn't it be Ocean's 8? Because we have the Thundermen. We have Althea, possibly Hieronymus, five, Snippers, six, Terran, seven, and Gray is their like Skynet. That's true. Gray is their Skynet. So yeah, we're at Ocean's Eight. So we are fully. Uh, we can't do Ocean's Eight. That was already done. So we have to have. <sighs> oh, Rainier. She's her. She's her. Rainier. She's her woman back home. Got it. Got it. Okay, Ocean's Nine. We can do this totally. TM. Wait, TM. The TM. woman one was Ocean's Eight, right? I'm not crazy. I'm pretty sure it was Ocean's Eight. Was the female cast. I never saw it, but I heard it was really good. Same Z's. Unsurprising for me. More surprising from you. Yeah. Whenever you're like, I haven't seen that, I feel like the world tilts on its axis. I truly do sometimes not watch TV and movies. <laughs> Which is so shocking to me sometimes. But uh, we'll have to wait for that return to Ocean's Stuff because that is the end of the episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Again, I think this was slightly more filler, but at the end of the day, it was... 
setup. But like, I mean, theoretically, right? At the end of the day, we didn't need to know all of this history, but I think it was important to flesh out the world a lot more. Yeah. And again, I think it inspired a lot of very important and serious conversation. It's a testament to the art more than anything that it's able to make us have these kinds of discussions. Yeah. And I think they're important discussions to have even on, you know, just a barely listened to talkback podcast <laughs> that like five people will listen to. But I mean, hopefully so, more, you know, yeah, talkback podcasts to it are doing and be it. Like, wow. But wow. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, I don't know. You tell us listeners. I feel like I love when we kind of just go off on tangents about unrelated stuff while we're also kind of relating it back to what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I have fun with that too. That's but... what I have fun with. But like also if you guys are like, just get back to the Taz, let us know. We'll do yeah. a separate podcast. About our feelings. <laughs> about just talking. <laughs> and then we'll just do like 15 minute recap episodes. <laughs> Just like super fast recaps. And then if you want our feelings and thoughts about other stuff, go here. <laughs> We've joked about it before that it would still have to be somewhat Taz, like M- McElroy themed. And it wouldn't be at all. It would just be us talking, but we would just have to keep the branding going. So right? it would be Mafim Fam, <laughs> which is my friend, my friend and me. <laughs> so it would be me and PJ and we would invite on guests to be the third friend. Yeah. <laughs> To talk about thoughts, feelings, and all th- everything in between. There you go. But until the next episode of this, or the next episode of Mafim Fam, that's all we have for you guys this week. <laughs> I've been PJ. I have been Lauren. And we'll see you next Thursday when we are once again talking Taz. Uh-huh.